as I journey through the land, singing as I go, pointing souls to Calvary, to the crimson flow. Many arrows pierce my soul, for I'm without within. But my Lord leads me on, through him I must win. Oh, I want to see him look upon his face, there to sing forever of his saving grace. On the streets of glory, let me lift my voice. Cares all past, home at last, ever to rejoice. When in service for my Lord, dark may be the night. But I'll cling more close to him, he will give me light. Satan's snares may vex my soul, turn my thoughts aside. But my Lord goes ahead, leads whatever be tied. Oh, I want to see him look upon his face, there to sing forever of the saving grace. On the streets of glory, let me lift my voice. Cares all past, home at last ever to rejoice when before me billows rise from the mighty deep then my lord directs my bark he to safely keep and he leads me gently on through this world below he's a real friend to me oh i love him so oh i want to see him look upon his face there to sing forever of his saving grace on the streets of glory let me lift my voice cares all past home at last ever to rejoice cares all past home at last ever to rejoice
so Clay's gonna give way to glory. And like an eagle, I'll take to the sky. And the sun's coming up in the morning. Every tear will be gone from my eye. This old clay's gonna give way to glory. Once again, we are so thrilled, so honored to have with us uh, Brother Ricky Moon. And again, many of you have heard him preach before. Probably, if you have, that's why you're here. But if you haven't, I know you're in for a treat. No need for long introductions. Brother Moon, you come preach for us tonight. That's what we're really here for. Amen? All right. Amen. Thank you, preacher. I appreciate it. Now, I did have one question. How come Brad was not a part of that? Being how he's in the family now, and make it a quartet. This Brad, right? Make it a quartet. All right. Preacher, how come Brad's not in that court? Make it a quartet. Obvious reason. I remember when he was in college, we had the college choir, and they had the choir, and then they had the ones that stood up there, and they were called the the they were the bench warmers, and uh, they didn't really sing. They just well, he didn't even look good, but I mean, they were just numbers, all right. And Brad was one of those what we called bench warmers or numbers. And uh, bless his heart. One time we put a tune in a bucket and he spilt it right out, brother. I'm down here. <laughs> so now I think I know why they did not have you up here. I just, it, just my memory came back all at once. It was great. Brother Steve informed me after church last night and again today, this, after, this evening, that he, he wasn't out taking a smoke. He wasn't smoking a cigarette. It was a pipe he had out there. I thought he had one of those electronic cigarettes or something. I didn't know. Well, you can do that in the church and nobody even notices because there's no smoke coming up. Amen. She would have helped us when we was in the, uh, when we was in the uh, bathrooms when I was in high school. That would have helped us a lot. Even in elementary school would have helped us a lot. <laughs> I only got caught once smoking in elementary school in seventh grade, but I guess that's junior high school now. Back then it was elementary, back in the old days. But uh, anyway... I don't know why they didn't come up with those electronic ones earlier. I could have gotten by with a lot more. But anyway, God sure is good. I'm glad you're, you, I, I'm not joking about getting caught once. That's okay. I could caught more than that, but I only got caught once than when I was in the elementary school. But God sure is good, and I'm glad to be here tonight. I'm glad you're here, and it's a joy to see you. If you're here visiting tonight and from another church, thank you for being here tonight. We appreciate it. We know that's not your revival, and we know how hard it is to... Uh, to get out with as busy as your schedule is, uh, it's hard to get out and go somewhere else. And we're real honored. I, I, I'm honored. I, I'm sure everyone else is too that you've taken time to be with us. So thank you for being here. Is there anybody from other churches after I said that? I thought there were. Okay, good. Thank you all. Hey, several of you. Good. Thank you for being here. We're honored you're here. I'm honored you're here. And uh, I don't know if I'd come over here to hear me, but I'm glad you came. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> Just because it gave me somebody to holler at. But. Uh, we taught these guys when I was doing the college and I was teaching preaching class. I taught them this rare back letter rip. Uh, you got to be careful about that, though. You could rip your britches out when you do that. <laughs> we were, I was telling them today, my, one of my former pastors was in a Sunday school class. 
and he made some statement about he was teaching. He said, yeah, just let the thing, just let it rip like that. And when he did, he ripped his pants from right here all the way to right here <laughs> on Sunday morning before this morning's service. He went out the side, down the side, and went to the side, down the side. Of course, there was windows over there. He went down the side. His wife goes, what are you doing? And he said, I, I got to have another pair of pants. I just ripped mine out. And so she had to run home and get him a pair of pants that lived about a mile away because uh, he, he let her rip, and they, he really let her rip. Be careful about letting her rip too much. But we are glad you're here. And uh, I'm going to read the scripture after I do my, a little bit of an introduction of the message tonight. So don't call me a heretic yet, okay? Wait until later. I say, you didn't even read enough scripture before you started. Okay, when you do it, you don't read enough scripture. You read a bunch of scripture. Read four chapters. And uh, then we'll both, and then to add it to mine, we'll divide by two, and we'll both be happy, all right? <laughs> but seriously, all kidding aside, please follow me tonight. The sermon I want to preach tonight, some of you, if you've been to camp several years ago, I preached along this line. And so you've heard me preach on this subject um, before. Some of you have. Some of you that were in camp several years ago. Um, brother Dave asked me to preach, or Brother Lonnie asked me to preach on it every Wednesday for during the camp season, I preached only about seven or eight weeks in a row in the summertime. Um, I've altered a little bit. It's a little bit different than it was when then. Uh, I didn't even have an outline. I sat down and re-outlined it today. But I, I, I was praying and begging God, and I had all the sermons I thought I was going to preach. And uh, the Lord's, I, I don't know. I don't know that the Lord leads people like they say he does. But anyway, you know, he told me to wear this shirt. He's never told me. He just told me to get dressed and be modest and so forth. But some of you, he says, wear this coat. And, and, and I, I'm not against that. Maybe he did tell you that. And if he tell, tells me that, I'll do the same thing. But he impressed me, I do know that, to share the three basic truths starting last night, tonight, and tomorrow night. And this one is going to be probably the hardest one to preach. And so we preachers sometimes have sermons we love to preach. You know what I'm talking about? There's some of them. It's just fun. You get to preaching about Jesus and going wild, and the crowd goes wild. And man, I'm telling you what, you're ready to, you, you, you can swing over hell on the corner stalk and squirt the devil knife with a water gun. You're so excited. Amen. <laughs> but I, I don't know that that's going to happen tonight because that's not what I think God has for us tonight. And so please pray that God will bless. But please bear with me in the first part of the message as I share a couple of things with you. I believe that the sin, and I believe it's a sin, that I'm talking, going to talk about tonight is running rampant in the hearts of Christians. I believe it's all over America. I believe that it's very seldom acknowledged as sin, like it should be, but the consequences are devastating. The damage is irreversible. It's, root sin, it's the root sin of a lot of other sins, many other sins. It has permeated our homes. It has permeated our churches. It has permeated our lives. Now, you say, well, Brother Moon, what is this sin that is running rampant? What is this sin that, that is devastating? What is this sin that's irreversible? What is this sin once the damage is irreversible? What is this sin that's permeating our home? Because probably it's permeating a lot of homes in this room. Maybe all of them, but at least a lot of them. And if it's not permeating now, it may permeate them later. Because it's a tool that the devil's using in the life of Christians about as much as any other tool he's using. And there's a lot of tools he's using 
But this tool is very devastating, I believe, with all my heart. And I believe it's the sin of bitterness. And I believe the bitterness is, here's what happens. I believe that people get wounded from some hurt in their life. That hurt causes a wound. The wound then is never properly dealt with. It never heals properly. As a result of it never healing properly, maybe it's smoothed over, maybe it's forgotten for a while, if that wound never goes away. And the hurt never really goes away. And what happens is that hurt goes from being just a hurt, it, it goes, it many times turns into anger. And then it goes from anger to a bitter spirit. It starts out as a wound and a wounded spirit, but ends up a bitter spirit. And I have, uh, well, my heart, I, I just, I can't believe it. I think about, and there's a lot of ways people get hurt. I think about, have, have any of you ever read the book, uh, A Wounded Spirit by Frank Peretti? Anybody here ever read it? It's a good book. Yeah, one person back there. You know, you know what I'm talking about. Frank Preddy, it's really, for most of Frank Preddy's books are about, um, they're, uh, they're just fiction. They're Christian fiction. has to do with the supernatural and angels and et cetera, et cetera, and demons and so forth. And they're very interesting. I like his writing. I like his style of writing. Um, but this book is not fiction. It's about his life. It starts out, and you don't know who he's talking about. He talks about a, a, a man and woman that has a little baby, and they have difficulties, and they're way out in the middle of nowhere. The dad's a pastor, and, and he's trying to get there, and he has a, it's freezing cold outside and snowing, and, and I'm, I'm going real fast over it right now and just skipping over. But he ends up having a, uh, a flat tire and can't get it changed and can't get the car jacked up because there's no jack and, and et cetera, and he ends up having to take a, a – uh, he, he somehow gets a, the post down, the stop sign post, Gets a, uh, uh, gets a wood, finds a piece of wood, block of wood, and, and, and gets the car up and gets the tire off and gets it back on. And his, the mom is in labor trying to keep from having the baby right there the whole time. Well, what happens is it does damage to the baby. And when the baby's born, the baby's not like all other babies. And it has some major problems with its mouth and some other things that is created by it and there's nothing to do. And this little baby grows up it, it can't drink, the milk rolls out because it, it can't keep it all in its mouth. It has some problems, it drools, and its mouth is down, and so forth. It has some major problems. And as it gets older, those problems are so obvious, and they do surgeries and surgeries and so forth. But that child, as a result, is a very small child, very small for its age, a scrawny little boy. And that scrawny little boy is made fun of and picked on. And he's made fun of until in elementary schools they laugh and call him names because of his difficulties. Because this blue, uh, brown stuff would ooze out his mouth. And he didn't even know a lot of times it was doing it. And so forth until they finally kept doing surgeries until they got it where it would stop that. But because of his size, he became the object of, object of bullying when he got to high school. And the first thing he did back in those days, because the man's only a few years older than I am, in those days, and I remember it, as freshmen in high school, we got... We got, uh, they called it initiated. Any of you remember that? We got initiated. And they, initi they would initiate those boys, but they did some pretty mean stuff. And the teacher had no understanding of that. And all the boys took a shower, and they made them, they made them do P.E. and take a shower together, everybody together. Well, because he was so much smaller than all the rest of them, and he was a little bitty kid. Oh, boy, he was the blunt of every joke. And, and not just the blunt of words. 
but the blunt of physical abuse. They would slam him to the floor and kick him like he was a, like a, like a dog or something. Well, you don't even kick a dog like that because you get in trouble for that nowadays. But kick him like he was a football, you know. And he went through that all of his life. And he developed such a wounded spirit that it's unbelievable. And he, in fact, the, the man is Frank Peretti that wrote all those books. That's who it is. And he, it's his story about his life and what he went through and the bullying and the hurt that went on. And there's a lot of people all over America gets hurt, all over the world, really, that gets hurt by bullying, that gets hurt by a lot of other things. And those things never are taken care of properly, never dealt with properly, and that wound is never dealt with properly. And as a result of it, the wound goes from being a wound to anger. And that's the reason why, in fact, in his book, he tells the story about the, the, the one out in Colorado where they, uh, several years back where they shot, where the two boys came in and shot. And he went back and did some research, and he believes, he said, I can't prove this, but I believe those boys were bullied by other kids. Even some of the kids said they were. They were bullied. And one day they went home with all their music. He said, they'll blame it on the music, and I'm sure that was an influence. They'll blame it on this and that and other. But he said the major root problem, he believed, with all of his heart was those boys came back and said, okay, now you've made fun of us. Now you're going to pay. And they started just mowing the people down. And you're, many of you that don't have to remember that. So that anger turns into a bitter spirit, which can be very devastating. And so it's so important that we realize that this sin, it, 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 it's a sin to have a bitter spirit. You shouldn't have one. You say, how do you know it's a sin? Because God says, let all bitterness and so what be put away from you. He says, we're to put that away. And if we, if it's, it's, a, it's a sin of the spirit. And if we don't put it away, it will destroy us if we're not careful. And I'll try to illustrate that and share that with you tonight. Take your Bibles, please, if you haven't crucified me yet. And look at Proverbs. I'm going to read two verses in Proverbs, one in 17, one in 18. Then I'm going to go to a passage that is more explaining of it. And so forth. But I want to lay this as a foundation, if I may, tonight. And before you rip me for not using enough Scripture here, let me just say this. If you've been here the other night, you know that I preached Sunday morning out of a one, uh, two, two Sunday mornings tonight out of a whole passage. Everything came out of that one passage, so uh, rip me later, all right? Besides that, I'm a big boy. I can handle it. Not only that, you have to get in line because there's other people first that get a shot at before you do. you got to have, you, you get thirds, fourths, fifths, sixths, and stuff like that. Look at verse number 22 of verse 17 of Proverbs. Did I say Proverbs? Yes. All right, thank you. A merry heart doeth good like a medicine. Well, that's good, isn't it? And it does. Isn't it great when somebody's just happy? There's something about happy that makes you just better. It really is. makes all the bad things better when you're just happy. Oh, let the joy of Jesus put a smile upon your face and let the joy of Jesus every little frown erase. There's something about a happy face and a happiness, okay? And it's just it's like medicine, the Bible says. But look at the last part. The only problem is there's a contrast to this. But a broken, that means an afflicted or stricken or wounded spirit. It means a wounded spirit, a broken, a stricken, afflicted, or wounded spirit trieth the bones. Now look over at verse number uh, 14 of chapter 18. The spirit of a man will sustain his infirmities. The word sustain there means to support, to hold, or to endure. The spirit of man will endure his infirmities. What's he talking about? Infirmities means his disease, whatever it is. But a wounded spirit 
who can bear? And that word bear means who can, it means to bear up or to lift or to carry or to take. And he says, okay, the spirit of man will sustain his, his infirmity. It'll support it. It'll hold it. It'll endure his infirmity. But a wounded spirit, who can bear it? Who can carry it? Who can hold it up? Who can, who can take it with them? Who can lift it? It's hard to do. And all across America in our churches, we've got a lot of folks who have wounded spirits that have turned into anger, and now they've turned into bitterness. And it's because it's not a sin that we see so quickly. It's not like we're out smoking or drinking, cursing, immoral. It's not like that. And as a result, it never gets dealt with properly. Let's pray. Father, help me tonight, please. Oh, please, 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 Holy Spirit, I need you. I don't know if this sermon's for just one person, if it's for the whole church. I don't know who it's for. But I, I believe it's for somebody. Lord, I don't want that somebody to live like a lot of people I know. Please help me, I beg you. I beg you, please. Do something special in our heart tonight. And if there's somebody carrying a load and a burden and a wounded spirit, may tonight be the night they start the process of getting that lifted and get the joy back where, where that was at and get it healed. Let the healing balm of Gilead be poured all over it. Let the Holy Spirit do a work tonight. Oh, please do it, I pray. Amen. Why do we have a wounded spirit? What's the reason for a wounded, bitter spirit? Well, number one, it's pretty simple. You've been hurt. People get hurt. People get hurt. Look, let's face it. All of us has probably hurt people, whether intentional or unintentional. We have. We don't want to admit it, but we have. We've hurt people. And I don't know in what, to what degree. Sometimes it may be we've hurt people by our words, by verbally abusing them. I mean, I've seen daddies scream and holler at their kids and say, Look at him! Who do you think I said I said him? Would you want to be done that way? No, I never wanted to be done that way. My daddy never did that to me when I was little. He never did. Now, when he spoke, I moved. Because he either had a switch. Good thing, uh, good thing they, they, they weren't around like uh, Adrian Peterson. Remember him? Adrian Peterson, football player. Switched his kid. And he got in all that trouble. Yeah. My daddy switched me more than one time. And used a belt. I remember one time we was in the house. My brother and I had gone out and rode bikes. And I came back in. My brother just older than me. And my, I had another brother and a sister in the house that was older. I was the youngest of the four of us. And I walked back in. And my oldest brother was a sophomore in high school. And he'd been helping daddy. was doing ceiling. Doing that stuff. Uh, uh, the, had put drywall up and was doing some work on the drywall up there. I think he might have making it, like it, you know, where you do all the little, is that what you call it? Yeah, I'm stuck on something, but anyway. Uh, you're right. <laughs> and he was doing that, and he was up a ladder, and he was on the ladder doing it. And he hollered down and said, hey, y'all, cut it out. Whatever you're doing. Didn't, that was it. Cut it out. Whatever you're doing. But I don't even think he was that loud. It was like, hey, cut out what you're doing in there. And, uh, and uh, my brother just told him he was out riding a bicycle. Right? Well, my oldest brother reached over and he stepped on my sister Sandra's arm or hand. 
And she screamed. What? You know, something like that. And he said, that's it. And he came down off the ladder. Well, Ted, my brother, the oldest of the four of us, he ran in there and sent, grabbed the ladder while he came down. He did the whole thing. Daddy walked out of that room, and Ted stayed in that room. I don't blame him. I wish I'd have been in there. Dan walks in. My brother just shouldered me. He walks in from outside off the bicycle, and Daddy grabs all three of us. Dan didn't even know what's going on, and he whipped all three of us. He took his belt off. And, well, I tell you what. In order to do this, I'm going to need a, someone to illustrate on <laughs> he took that belt off and he grabbed us by the arm and we went in circles. In circles. And when he got on, I'll never forget this, we lived out in the middle of nowhere. I mean, if you came to our house, it's because you'd come to see us, all right? There's a creek there and nobody could hardly get across it. And that was really, you were there for us and we were, there was nobody around. So I walked outside out back where nobody could see me, me and my brother. We pulled our pants down and it, our legs was, it looked like the blood was run, about to run out. He, you talking about stripes? They were stripes. And Mama walked out the door. I'll never forget that. She went, and we saw her, and we jerked her pants. She said, let me see that. Okay. They pulled it back down, and she goes, my goodness, I can't believe he did that. And she walked back in the house. I never heard her disagree with him. And she walked back in there, and she said, Monroe, that was his name. That's why she called him Monroe. <laughs> Pretty normal for you to call them their name, isn't it? He said, she said, Monroe, what are you trying to do, kill those boys? You beat them half to death out there. He looked at her and said, woman, you either want me to whip them or you don't. Because she let me back up. She's the one that said, Monroe, those kids are taking the place in there. Take care of them. So he took care of us. And he just said, woman, you either want me to whip them or you don't. Make up your mind. She never said another word. I was hoping somebody would say something because I was hurting. So he walked in the morning, he was in bed, and he said, boys, get up. We got up. If you didn't get up the first time, he walked back in and said, don't let me say it again. And that was it. He didn't scream and holler at me. I'm not used to that. But a lot of parents, that's all they do. Scream, holler at them, call them names. Man, that kind of stuff doesn't just go away. I remember what my parents said to me. By the way, I don't regret. I say that. My wife says, Ricky, you shouldn't tell about your daddy whipping you. Makes him look like he's a bad guy. No, everybody did that back then. <laughs> Some of you older people know what I'm talking about. You got that. A couple of you didn't get enough, obviously. <laughs> I won't call any names. <laughs> but I, didn't, I, didn't, I never hated him one time for that. Yeah, one time. I got to tell us. One time. <laughs> I was about eight years old. We lived in a house that you could go in one door. We're going to go in the front door. It had two front doors. Except one of them was a bedroom, another was a living room. And you went through that one, and you went this way, and there was a bedroom and a kitchen. And you went through that bedroom, and there was a back bedroom. That's mom and dad's. And you went through that bed, and you was back in that front bedroom. Daddy, we did something wrong. And Daddy said, "That's it, boys," and he went to get a switch. Well, I took off, <laughs> and I ran through the house, and I thought I'd be all right. So I ran through one bedroom, second bedroom, third bedroom, living room. And when I got back right here, I ran right into him. Bang. <laughs> he said, where are you going? I didn't answer. Anywhere you were, where you're not. <laughs> and with a switch, and he whooped my backside. And it did not feel good. So when he said, boys, get up, we said, sure, right now, we'll get up. Boy, it would help if we did that nowadays, wouldn't it? Well, that's abuse. 
Do I look like I'm this? Affected by it? No. Look, that's a bunch of baloney. You're going to be affected by it mentally. That's why, that's why kids are like a bunch of animals and talk to their dad and mom like that. I never raised my voice my dad and mom one time. You see those teeth? That's why I still got them. I sat at the table one time. Daddy was here and I was right here. I always sat next to him. I don't know why. I guess because I was misbehaved and that was why I stayed in line. Not that I was ever, not that I, I was almost a perfect child. Until I was about three days old. And after that, it was over. And I did something at the table. I don't know if I belched or did something, burped. I'm sorry. Uh, <clears throat> I don't know what I did. But he looked at me and said, you want me to slap you through that wall? That's all he said. I said, no, sir. Now, this is the truth. I knew he couldn't slap me through that wall. I knew it. But I didn't want him to try. Yeah. Um, you know what I'm saying? I didn't want him to try. I don't know that he would have, but I didn't know that he wouldn't either. You know what I'm saying? And by the way, he never hit me one time in the face, arms. No, he hit me with a paddle or actually with a belt or with a switch. That's what he whipped me with. He never hit me any other way, not at one time in my life. But I don't have any bitterness toward him. And I'm not upset. <laughs> yeah, if he knew everything else I'd done, he'd have been in jail and I'd have been in the grave. And that's the truth. But why are we hurt? I'll tell you why we're hurt. Because people hurt us. Maybe it's verbal abuse. Maybe it's not by words. Maybe it's by action. What's amazing now is the bullying. Not just the word bullying. I mean physical bullying. A lot of kids have bitter spirits and anger because they were bullied when they were little. Made fun of call names, and all that. Some of them are that way because they do have physical abuse. Some man married some woman, and he thought he was showing his manhood by hitting her. Gentlemen, I've been married as of June the 6th. This coming June the 6th will be 40 years. I've never laid my hand on my wife one time for any reason, except to help her somewhere or help her up or something. I've never hit her one time. Never. We have no right to show our man. That's not manhood. That's a coward. If you don't slap somebody, go find your guys bigger, bigger than you and slap him. And let him slap you back. And after y'all, after he slaps you about four times, then you won't ever do that again. But there's a lot of women, and there may be some in this room, that have been slapped around. Maybe it was a, as a daughter or as a wife. You see, Physical abuse is bad. And all of that, there's people that's been raped, male and female. And they were they're wounded. And their wound turned into a turned into not just a hurt, but anger. But maybe they weren't big enough to do anything about it. So from anger to a bitter spirit. And to this day, they're still bitter at the man that did that. You can't hardly blame them either. There are people that are grown adult women that their daddy molested them, committed incest. 
And I'm trying to be careful with all the kids in here, okay? And they're all over our churches. And there's a wound there that never was dealt with. The dad may have been in the grave for years, but they've never dealt with the wound. And there's still a wound there. Let me tell you why discrimination is wrong. Because it hurts people. I don't want to be called names, do you? I'm just telling it like it is. I've heard preachers get behind the pulpit and use discriminatory words. And I'm like, what did that accomplish? Would Jesus do that? Now, honestly, me and Jesus are a long ways apart. I wish we weren't, but we are. But I know one thing. I don't think Jesus had done that. Words hurt. Somebody said it last night, I think it was. Words hurt. Or Sunday morning one. Words hurt. They used to say, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. And somebody quoted, was that you? I thought it was, Brad. And somebody said, oh, they do hurt in that class. Yeah, they do. There's a lot of people that got hurt, wounded spirits over words are over physical abuse and I'm, I'm mol being molested and then they feel like and the person that does it threatens them I'll, I'll kill you if you tell anybody and it's one of the hardest things to prove it's the kid's word against the adult's word who do you believe but a lot of that stuff has gone on and the more pornography we have and the more the internet web pages that we have where men can go to them the more it's going to be because men lust are running rampant. The lust of the flesh is running rampant because of what we look at and what we watch. And they show people having relationships that they shouldn't on TV. They show them way too much. And men's lust takes over and they do things they should never do to somebody. Why are there wounded, bitter spirits? Because people have been hurt. That's why. I'll give you the second reason. Because people think they've been hurt. They get offended. You'd be surprised how many people quit a church because they think the preacher said something and hurt them and he didn't come and see them when they were in the hospital or he didn't care for them enough when their mom died or their brother died or their dad died. Maybe he didn't look. You'd be surprised how many people don't even call the church and tell us they're in the hospital until they get out. And then they say, nobody came and saw me. Am I a mind reader? I didn't know you was in the hospital. I get up and say it often. I say, hey, folks, I visit folks in the hospital, but you've got to call me and tell me. You've got to call the church and tell the office. We have a hospital board. I look at that hospital board when I'm there at work every day and see if there's any updates. And normally if they're in the hospital, Normally, I go almost every day they're in. I go when they have surgeries before they have them. But if you don't tell us, I'm not showing. And when I don't show, don't get mad at me. But people get hurt over some of the funniest things when really they shouldn't be hurt because nothing was done to them. But they think it was. Or they see two people talking in the corner. And they walk up and they quit talking. They go, they're talking about me. Now, come on. What makes you think they're talking about you? And here's what they say. I'm not going back to that church. They gossip about me. 
and they get their feelings hurt, and then they, they never take care of it, and they, they get angry at those people who were talking about them, who, by the way, was not even talking about them. And they get bitter at them. And then before long, that, 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 that wound that's really not a wound turns into anger, which shouldn't be anger, which turns into bitterness. And they're hurting part. And then they get mad, and they totally quit church because every church they go to are nothing but a bunch of gossips and a bunch of hypocrites. And that's what they say. They're nothing but a bunch of hypocrites. I do want to make an astounding statement here. The church is full of hypocrites. There you go. Can I tell you something? Just like a hospital is full of sick people. You don't go to the hospital because you're well. You go because you're sick. And we come to church because we need help. Say, do we have to come every week? Yeah, because we need help every week. And see, people miss that. And so they're a bunch of hypocrites. Well, look. The word Christian, if you said, Ricky, are you a Christian? I'd say yes, but we all know I'm not really a Christian. Because to be a Christian is to be Christ-like. And in a lot of my ways, I'm not Christ-like. For example, Christ is love, and I don't love everybody like he does. Love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy might. That's what he said for me to do. And I don't, I wish I did not want to. But I fall short. You know what that makes me? I'm pretending to be something I'm not. Hypocrite. So the church is full. It's full of hypocrites. And if it wasn't, you came, one just joined. That's the problem. People's been hurt. People think they've been hurt. I'll tell you this. They think they've been hurt. I went to school with a young man. He's a few years older than I am. Honestly, the young man who preached today, I got saved. And he went to the same school I did. I went, a month, I went a six semester before he did. I graduated in January. I graduated in three and a half years. It didn't take me five years like it did Brad. And it uh, took me three and a half. Of course, Brad got a two-year degree, and I got a four-year degree. And three and a half. He got a two-year degree in five. He crammed two years in five. I'm teasing if you're visiting. He actually got a four-year degree. Only God and I know how he did it. And I'm not going to tell you, but I can show you some money. <laughs> I can't be bought. Anyway, uh, old John's a hypocrite. Uh, anyway, I'm teasing. He got a four-year degree in four years. I shouldn't have said that. But I went to school with him. I remember one time I was sitting behind, he was sitting behind me in chapel. And I just, I wrote him a note and said, hey, brother, thank you for preaching today. I got saved. Thank you for talking to me and telling me how to be born again. I owe you a lot. Gave it to him. Well, I finished up in January of one, the year I finished. He finished in May, but he lacked a few hours finishing up. And he should have been, not me, when I, when I graduated from college where I went back then, I don't think they do it anymore, if, if you made cum laude, magna cum laude, summa cum laude, which is honors, high honors, and highest honors, and I think that's some kind of a fancy name. I don't know what it means. I just know that's what it is. Uh, Worked in college, but you don't have to know everything to do there. But anyway, Lottie, cum, Lottie, cum Lottie. <laughs> I'll get to that in a minute. Cum Lottie, Magna Cum Lottie, Summa. He should have been Summa, I think it is. Is that the highest one? Anybody know? Oh, uh, the Magna. I don't know which one. He should have been the third one instead of the second one. But he had a class that somebody gave him a grade on, and he felt like he had been 
mistreated him. He tried to get it taken care of and couldn't. So it, it was just enough to pull him just out of that top one down to the second one. That really bothered me. That wouldn't have bothered me. When I went across, they were saying so-and-so cum laude, so-and-so magna cum laude, so-and-so summa cum laude. I came across and said, Ricky Moon, laude, here he comes. <laughs> he, just, he just, we're praising God he made it. Sort of like Keith. Wait a minute, he never graduated. I'm sorry. But anyway, I was laudy, here, here it comes, and Keith was, laudy, he ain't coming ever. He no come. But he got bitter about that, and he said, here's his quote, if they don't ever tell anybody I went to the school, I won't ever tell anybody I went to the school. Over a grade? Heavens to Murgatroyd. What are you thinking? But he did. He worked in the church for a while, went to another church once in a while, before long he was out of church. We have a mutual friend. It's a pastor. He went to see him. He walked in and found out where he was at and walked in. He was in his place of business. He ran a business. And he walked in, and he said, I'm looking. He called his name. He said, you got him. What do you want? And he turned around and said, oh. And he recognized him. He goes, well, he said, how's your children doing? He goes, oh, they're doing all right, but you wouldn't like them. They're not like all you, you little independent Baptists. There was a man who had talent more than I could ever. His guy, look, you know those classes I didn't do so well in? I remember one. I, I barely passed it. He made an A in it. And I studied like an A. I mean, I don't, I've never studied for a class as hard as I did that one. He made an A. I made a D. The only D I ever made in college. It, it wasn't a Bible class. It was, it was a history class. And so I didn't have to... Uh, I didn't have to take it again. If it had been Bible class, I'd have to take it over again. Unbelievable. God could preach. I'm telling you what, preacher, he could preach. He had preach all over him. Totally quit church. His kids become heathen. Listen, that gentleman said to him, brother, if you don't turn around, God will kill your kids or something. You know, he goes, well, he knows where they're at if he wants them. It wasn't a short time after that, just a short time. One of his boys was cleaning a gun, and it went off. didn't have it emptied. He shot him in the head. It still didn't change. I think he may have turned around a little bit later. But let me tell you what happened. He got hurt. Not really should he got hurt. He thought he was done wrong, which made him hurt, which made him become bitter, made him become wounded. It turned into anger, which turned into bitterness. And it affected his life and his kid's life. They were a bunch of hooligans. Don't tell me that stuff's not going on. You sit here, well, Brother Moon, I'm talking about a college student who loved God, who went sowing every week, read his Bible, prayed, and did all that kind of stuff, and look what happened to him in the long run. Don't tell me it doesn't happen. Some of you have not been hurt, but you think you've been hurt. And you've never let go of that thing. And it's eating away at you like a cancer. The reason you get hurt or you think you've been hurt, the results of the bitter spirit. I've already told you some, but I want you to see this in the Bible, all right? You turn to Hebrews, I'm sorry, turn to, um, uh, yeah, Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12, we'll start there. Look at verse 15. I want you to see it. Turn there, I want you to see it. If you've got your Bibles, turn there, please. I'll give you a moment. Listen, when you have a wounded, bitter spirit, 
it leads to other sins and it has an effect on you and it has effect on other people around you. You, you, and by the way, let me say this. When you're that way, you're, you're hurt. You hurt yourself more than you hurt the people you're bitter at. Look at verse 15. Looking diligently, lest any of you fail of the grace of God, lest any, follow me now, root of bitterness. It, didn't say, it said a root it didn't say bitterness. A root. A root's what's under the ground. It starts growing it all. Hello? A root of bitterness springing up. What's the next two words? Say it again. Say it again. Hold on a minute. Trouble who? It doesn't just damage other people. It damages you. You're bitter at some guy and you think, I, I, bless God, I'm mad at him. You're not hurting him. You're hurting you. You're hurting you. And thereby, the next three words, many be defiled. Say it with me. Many be defiled. Say it again. Many be defiled. Say it again. Many be defiled. Trouble you and many be defiled. What? It's root of bitterness. When I was a boy, we'd have in our crops down in southern Tennessee, We'd have Johnson grass. I don't know what it's normally called, but we call it Johnson grass. And that Johnson grass, what it would do is you could chop it down today, and two days later it was back up again. It had an unbelievable root system. The only way you could kill it was to get it on the roots. If you didn't have a, some kind of a pre-emerge or something to spray on them to kill it, you had to spray the roots too. You had to dig the roots up, and they were deep. And it was so discouraging. We'd go through a corn patch and get all of it out and come back in there, two days later and there it is again. You're like, I just cut that down. <laughs> Root of bitterness. And what a lot of us do, and we take, and the bitterness uh, identifies itself somewhere. And so what we do is we cut the top, that off. We cut off what it identifies. And we don't ever get the root. Sort of like my father-in-law years ago. He's in heaven now, but my father-in-law went to die. He has big old boils on his arm. I mean, he never missed work. I, I never remember missing work to work six days a week. And, and when there, he was working for cotton gin, and during the ginning season, seven days a week, four, 12, 14, 16, 18 hours a day during the ginning season. I never remember him missing one day of work, ever. All at once he got so sick he couldn't go to work, and I said, that man's sick. Took him to the doctor and he had to have boils and he went to one of those quack doctors. They took that boil and they took a knife and went, <laughs> slid it. He liked to came and went to the ceiling. They were trying to, that doctor was trying to treat the symptom, not the root. The root was his heart got a, his valve in his heart messed up. And poison, when he cut that, sending poison all the rest of his body and he almost died. He stayed in, he stayed in, Thomas, St. Thomas Hospital in, in, uh, in uh, Nashville, Tennessee for seven weeks to get over the blood infection. Seven weeks. Had open heart surgery put, and put a, cut his heart open and put a valve in and sewed him back up and in five days he was home. 
five days for open heart surgery with a valve being put in, slicing him open, and that was back in the 70s. Seven weeks trying to get the infection out of his body. Seven weeks. See, if you didn't deal with a problem, you ain't going to take care of it. And what we're doing in our life is we're dealing with the symptom, not the problem. Because the root problem is the bitter spirit. Because we got wounded. And let me prove that to you. Take your Bibles and turn over to the book of, of James chapter 3. James chapter 3. Look at verse number 14. I want you to see it. James chapter 3, verse 14. But if you have bitter envying and strife in your hearts, glory not. Lie not against the truth. This wisdom is not from above, but is earthly, sensual, devilish. Hello? What? Earthly, sensual, devilish? For where envy and strife is, there is confusion and every evil work. I misread that. For where envy and strife is, there's confusion and every evil work. The effects, the results of a wounded, bitter spirit are absolutely devastating. When the root comes up, if it's not taken care of and it manifests itself, then you have that bitter envy and strife in your heart. And the truth is, where you have that, there's confusion and every evil work. And it's like a man that has, walks over to the door, and on the outside of that door is every evil work you can think of, and he walks to the door, and the, they're knocking at the door, and he opens the door and says, Hey, fellas, come on in. I said, he goes to the door and opens and says, Fellas, come on in. I said, he goes to the door and opens and says, Fellas, come on in. Where there's bitter in and strife, it's like him going to that door and saying, inviting everything he wants to in. And that's why people do stuff that you would not believe they do. Folks who used to be soul winners, folks who used to teach a Sunday school class, folks who used to stand behind a pulpit and preach a sermon, no longer even darken it over his church, no longer have anything to do with Christ, and they almost mock Christianity. And the reason is they opened the door and let every evil work in because it all started when they got hurt and they got wounded. Either they got wounded really or they thought they were hurt and now it has destroyed their lives. And there's people sitting in this room. If you have a bitter spirit and you don't deal with it, one day we may never see you again because you're going to, and not only will you leave here, you'll criticize all of us who do not leave and you'll make fun of us and laugh at us. Oh, Brother Moon, I wouldn't do that. Yes, you will because you'll open the door and let every evil work in. It won't be long till you'll be a has-been and your life will be wrecked and destroyed. So I don't believe that. I do. First of all, the Bible says it. But I, I, I can tell you this. I've seen it. There was a young lady who was very close to my family. Very close to my family. And she got bitter at her dad. Her dad never molested her. He just dogged her all the time about stuff. And some of it was her fault as much as his. She got very bitter over it. And today, she lives a life of sodomy. 
Father's Day, the phone will ring. Hand me my phone. And I'll take my phone and answer it. And on the other end of the line will be that young lady. She's not young anymore. She's an older lady. And she'll say, she'll call my name. She'll say, I just want to call you and wish you a happy Father's Day. And I'll say, thank you. I appreciate it. I just want you to know I love you. And she says, I love you too. And on my birthday, on August 15th, I said, that's August 15th. <laughs> if you want to give gifts early, you can do that tomorrow night. <laughs> no, it's only, only be April the 1st. Of course, you'll probably bring me a gift and say, April Fool's, there won't be nothing in the gift. <laughs> so keep your stinking nasty gifts, all right? Because <laughs> that's what I'd do if somebody said that to me. I'm just thinking what I would do, all right? And I'll say, hello, and she'll say, hey, and she'll, call, she'll say, just wanted to call you and wish you a happy birthday. She loves me, and I love her, but her life is wrecked. Several, about a year and two, about two years ago, she called me and said, before they did, she went to Canada and married a woman. She said, how did I get out of this relationship? I said, well, legally in, in the United States at that time, it wasn't legal. I said, so you don't have to get a divorce. You just need to break it off. And she was a man, and that woman was a woman, had the child and stuff. She said, but the child we ha that she has I love that child, and I'm close to it. I said, well, you know what I'm going to tell you before you call. And she said, I know. You need to break it off. You need to break it off. And she did for a while and even dated a man. But she got upset, and one of her, other, her brothers said something to her. He shouldn't have said. He was wrong. He shouldn't have said it. And she went back home and got the young man came out on Facebook and said, I'm coming out of the closet. I am gay. And I'm then known being gay. That young lady went to Bible college. That young lady went to Christian school and graduated. That young lady went soul winning. That young lady went to youth conference every year. She went to camp every year. She went to youth retreats. She went to revival services. She went to youth activities. She dressed right. And today, she's a sodomite. Because she got bitter today. Can you hear me? I sat in my living room one night with her when she was still a, a young adult. And I said to her, I called her name and I said, look, you've got to forgive your dad. You're bitter at him. No, no, I just don't. No, you're bitter at him. And I said, I called her name, and I said, if you don't get it out of the way, it's going to destroy your life. Now, I'm going to tell you what you need to do. You need to, you need to verbalize, say, I forgive my dad. Will you do that? She said, okay, I'll do it. We got on our knees in front of my couch. If I'm lying, I'm dying, okay? And I said, I'm going to pray, and I want you to pray. And I prayed and begged God to help her. And I was choked up and everything else with tears. And I said, now, and I said, repeat this prayer. I'm going to tell you what to say. Because she said, I, I, I can't do it. I said, okay, I'll tell you. Say, I, she said, I. I said, say, I forgive my dad. And she said, I, f I, f and I said, no. Say it. I forgive my dad. She said, I, f I, f and tears was running down her face. And she said, I can't do it. And I said, yes, you can. It's the devil telling you not to do it. Jesus wants you to do it. The Holy Spirit wants you to do it. Say it. I forgive my dad and mean it. She said, okay. I, I, I can't do it. I cannot forgive him. I just can't do it. And she never did it. 
And that was the start of her downward progression. And you're sitting here this, after, this evening, and you got a bitter spirit toward your dad, toward your mama. You're, heading, you're right on the brink of something you don't realize you're on. A root of bitterness springing up does what? Trouble you. And defile many shall be defiled. Now, I'm not preaching this because it's fun to preach. In fact, I don't even want to preach it. But I believe all of our congregations, we've got some good, fundamental, independent Baptist kids and adults and folks that love Jesus. They want to serve God. They want to do right. They're trying to do right. And they, with all their heart, they want to do right. But they've never gotten victory over a bitter spirit. Maybe they was hurt. Maybe they were done tragically wrong. Maybe they were even raped. Or maybe they were molested in some way. Maybe repeatedly. But they've never learned to get victory. And what's happening is that stuff lingers and it lingers and it lingers until one day it manifests itself. And then before long, they're got going to the door and opening. And all, everything you can think of just rolls in over their life. And that's not one I could stand up here for an hour and a half and two hours and just give you story after story after story of what I'm talking about. I have family members of mine that hardly ever won't come to church because they got hurt in the ministry by ministerial people. The people didn't mean to do it, but they did it. And here's what they say. Well, I'm, 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 I'm not bitter. Yeah, you are. No. Look, bitterness is going to destroy you. No, I'm not bitter. I just don't like them. <laughs> Buddy, when it starts hitting close to home, it hurts. I've had opportunities to be bitter. I've wanted to be sometimes. I've wanted to say, I'm just going to quit and throw it all away. Holy Spirit keeps reminding me. Yesterday I thought about how we're disappointed when our children do wrong. And I was praying, weeping, begging God for some things. And I thought, man, when your children all don't always do what you want them to do, it just breaks your heart. Kids, you have no, you have no, you have no idea what it does to a parent when the kids don't do what they ought to do. thought, Lord, I'm your child. And boy, have I disobeyed you. And I thought, Lord, I'm the one going to be on my knees begging for forgiveness because I'm the one that's so wicked and vile. And I've disappointed you so many times and just almost spit in your face with some of my actions and reactions. But you've always loved me. And you've always forgiven me. And you've always jerked me back up and said, Son, I love you. And you've caressed me and hugged me and, and loved me and helped me close. Well, what's the remedy? Let me be brief. I, don't even, I was going to bring a watch up here and forgot to. And I apologize. I went so late last night and I'm probably later tonight than I was last night. Here we go. Let me say this and I'll be done. Or two or three things. All right. Number one. Face the offense. Admit you got a problem. There's the problem. We don't admit we have a problem that you need to help with. Most folks will not admit they're bitter. I don't like them. I'm not bitter. 
I was in, uh, several years ago, I was coming through Tennessee. Oh, I was in Tennessee, and I was leaving my mother-in-law's. And we stopped by one of my sister-in-law's house. They'd gotten a new house, and, and they just built it in there, and there was a lot of weeds and stuff around it and stuff. And they, their, their thing was out there, their uh, uh, thing you jump on, what do you call them? Trampoline. And the kids said, can we go jump on the trampoline? I said, oh, I guess. Go ahead. And I went out there with them. I'm standing there, and I walked through some of the weeds and stuff. And I'm standing there jumping on the thing. And we got in the car and started to leave. And I had put on a pair of running pants that had a white stripe down them right here. A pair of tennis shoes, running pants, and a T-shirt, uh, some kind of a shirt. And she goes, Ricky, what's that on, them, on your leg? I said, I don't know. On the white, I saw something. She said, look. And there was these little bitty specks all over it. And then the more I looked, the more there were. I got out of the car. And I didn't realize it. They were what they call seed picks. And they were all over my pants. I had to go in the house. And I had to take my pants off. And I had to take, actually, I, I took them off before I went in the house. And they, they all had to get out of the way and let me go in that way. <laughs> Boy, I look good in my underclothing, too. I'm sure to them. And I, I put them in a bag and put the shirt in a bag. And I jumped in the shower and had to wash off and put all those clothes in a bag and tighten it tight. And they had to get me more clothes to wear home. I had to borrow clothes to wear home. Because all mine was packed. And back those days, when we put everything in, if we started taking it out, it'd take 30 minutes to take it out and put it back in. And they said, we'll get you some clothes. And they did. You know what? If I had not have noticed those things, if my wife hadn't noticed them, we would have driven home for about, uh, let's see, we, it would have been a five, six, seven, eight, nine-hour trip. I'd have driven nine hours. With those seeds, what would they have done? They were so small, I couldn't see them. I could barely see them. And the problem is with us, that bitterness in our heart, we don't want to admit it because we sometimes think, well, nobody can see it. And you can barely see it, so I don't know what I need to deal with it. Oh, but those little ticks would have done some damage if I hadn't done something about it. Just like that bitterness is going to do damage if you don't do something about it. What's the remedy? I'll tell you what the remedy is. Number one, face offense. Number two, forgive the offender. I know you're not going to like this one, but I'm going to read it anyway. Ephesians chapter 4. Grieve not the Holy Spirit, verse 30 says, whereby you're sealed in the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and amber and anger let all bitterness, let all bitterness, let all bitterness, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and the evil speaking be put away from you and all, with all malice. And be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake forgave you. Here's the command, forgive. Here's the conditions. You do it because Christ forgave you. Say, so, Brother Moon, I'm going to tell you right now, I cannot forgive that person who hurt me. Well, then you got a problem. And here's your problem. Matthew chapter 6. The model prayer. After this manner, therefore pray ye, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. Did you catch it? Forgive us of our debts, as we forgive our debtors. You know forgive your debtors, you know get a forgiveness. Let me read on. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, power, and glory 
forever. Amen. For if, a, for if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father, verse 14, will also forgive you. Praise God. Hallelujah. Shout it from the rooftop. Praise the Lord. He forgave me of my sin. Oh, but we better throw in verse 15. But if you forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. And there's the problem. I'm going to show you what happens. And here's what I want you fellows to do. Just follow me around and, and don't do anything until I tell you to. Just follow. Wherever I go, you go. Here's what happens. I'm a teenager. I'm a whatever, and I go to camp. And boy, I tell you what, I've been doing pornography like he does, all right? And I've been lying, disobeying my parents and so forth. And I've been, I've been smoking cigarettes, right? And I want to get victory over all of them. Let's see. Smoking, lying and disobeying the parents and looking at websites and stuff I shouldn't look at. So, boy, and the preacher preaching, I'm like, oh, man, i got to get rid of that. It's wicked. It's foul. So I'm back here. Come on, fella. I said follow me. And you, it's hard to find good help, isn't it? And I'm back here, and I get up. I get up out of my seat, and I go down the center aisle, and I get on my knees up at the altar, and I say, oh, God, I'm so sorry. Please forgive me. Oh, God, please. Y'all just hang around me. Oh, please forgive me for my for looking at the pornography and stuff. I got to get victory over that. Please forgive me. And, oh, God, I got to quit smoking. I know I do. And, Lord, I pray that you'd have me obey my parents and not lie to them, not be disrespectful to them. Oh, God, give me victory. I confess these as wicked, vile, dirty sins. Then I get up. What'd you do? Testimony time with our teenagers. Kid, I know I've been a bad testimony. Some of you know I've been smoking. Some of you know I've been doing some pornography because you did it with me. And some of you know I've been disobedient to my parents and I've, 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 been, uh, uh, I've lied to them. And I'm done with that. And I go back to my seat. And you say, I thought you asked him to forgive you. Oh, I did. Well, doesn't he forgive you when you ask him to? Yeah. Well, then why are they still following you? Well, that's a good question, isn't it? So then I go on, and before long, I'm right back in the same old path. I'm going back to smoking. I tried to quit, but I just had to have one. And uh, they are good. And uh, if you like them, I don't like them. But anyway, all right, not anymore. And then, and then before long, my parents, and I'm like, I, who do they think they are anyway? And then before long, no, I'm sorry. And then before long, I'm like, I, I did, and it popped up. And I'm like, well, I wonder where that goes. I shouldn't look at this, but boy, it does look good. I'm right back where I was before. So I go to another, I go to revival. I'm like, I got to get right with God. This is wicked. What was I thinking? And I run back into the altar. Oh, God, I'm so sorry. Forgive me for this. I ask you to forgive me. Oh, God, please forgive me. I'm so sorry. And you beg God and want forgiveness, and you get back up. And guess what? They're still following me. And this is the life of a lot of teenagers. And this is life a lot of adults. They really want to live for God. And they really want to do life. But they're living in sin, doing stuff that they shouldn't do. And they beg God to forgive them and beg God to forgive them. But it seems like they never, ever, ever get victory over it. But I think this passage explains why they never get victory over it. Because they're bitter at somebody. Because they were hurt. Maybe they were molested. Maybe they were abused. Maybe they are verbally abused. Maybe they were hurt. Really, really hurt. Or maybe they just think they were. But they've never gotten victory over it, never forgiven. And never started that process. 
one day somebody stands up in a service like this and says, look, don't hang on to your bitterness. Come on, it's not worth it. It's going to destroy your life. And they say, whoa. And they say, you know what? The reason why you can't get rid of those sins is because they keep lingering because you've never really forgiven the people that did you wrong. And if you're not willing to forgive your debtors, neither will your father forgive you your debtors. And you're never, you're not really, you're asking, but you're not getting. Because if you're not willing to forgive others, is that not, preacher, is that in the Bible? Yes or no? It's in the Bible. If you're not willing to forgive others, neither will your heavenly father forgive you of your trespasses. And they never get rid of them. All right, fellas, this time, when I start praying, you'll know. All right, here we go, watch this. And you come forward and say, dear God, I'm, a, I'm so bitter at my dad, and it's wrong. Please, God, I know he did me wrong. And right now, I'm going to be the judge and the jury. I forgive him for what he did to me. I forgive him. I forgive him. I forgive him. I forgive him. You may go, God. I forgive him for what he done. And God, forgive me for helping me with victory over the smoking and over the pornography and over my relationship with my parents. God, give me victory. God, forgive me. God, forgive me my wicked sins. They're gone. And that's why some of you struggle over and over and over and over again. <laughs> Because you won't get rid of the bitterness. You're not willing to forgive those who did you wrong. But yet you want God to forgive you because you've done him wrong. And it don't work that way. Let me read it again. Because I don't want you to think I'm preaching some heresy here. Look what he says. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And it's not the temptation to deliver them for the eyes of the kingdom, power and glory forever. Amen. For if ye forgive men your trespasses, your heavenly Father will forgive you. Your trespasses. And when I forgave my father, my dad, God forgave me and the, the guys were gone. But, 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 if you're not willing to, what happens? You don't get it either. I'm going to close with this one story. And there's a bunch of them I've left out, and I've just taken way too much time. This may be a process, by the way. Several years ago, there was a preacher. And I was in his church preaching for him, a revival. And I'd heard his story. He told me his story. I was preaching a revival earlier there, and he told me his story. And he told me what happened was they had missionaries, and they would take them to their home as a pastor and let them stay in their home while they were there. And he brought in a missionary to stay in there. And that missionary molested and raped his oldest daughter. She didn't tell anybody. He told her, he threatened her. He brought the missionary into his home, and the missionary did that in his home. She uh, graduated from school, went off to college, came back home, became a rebel, ran off and got, mar got pregnant and got married, and just destroyed her life, quit church, quit everything. And one day, and then finally she started going back to church, and one day she said, i got to tell my dad what happened. She told her dad. And they went to the authorities, and the man was arrested. And come to find out, actually he was arrested before they went to him, 
because he was doing it to his own kids. And he's in jail serving time. Follow me, please. Don't miss this. That girl finally turned it around after a lot of rebellion, and she ended up divorcing her husband and, and ended up getting married again, and her life's just been... Her life finally has gotten, finally got back on track just a few years ago after all those years of wasted years and hurt and agony. I preached his sermon at his church. I didn't use his illustration, obviously, but I preached his sermon at his church on the last night of the revival on a Friday night. The first person that got up and walked the aisle was the pastor. He hit the altar. Older man, older gentleman. And he prayed. With tears running down his face, he got up and said, Church, I need to apologize. We're wanting to bless the entire God in our life. And it's not here like it ought to be. And there's only one person to blame, and that's me. He said, Because, you know, when Brother Moon preached that, I realized I'd never forgiven that rascal. I thought I had, but in the depths of my heart, I knew I'd never forgiven him for what he did to my daughter. It just hurt so much I could not forgive him. In fact, I'm going to be honest with you, I wanted to kill him. And if I could have got my hands on it, I would have killed him. And I never forgave him. And he said, tonight, when Brother Moon preached on that, I realized I never forgave him. And he said, tonight, I'm forgiving the man who molested my daughter. I forgive him. Publicly, he said, I forgive him for what he did to me. And I'm going to try to be a different man from now on. I don't know what your need is. I don't know why I preached this, other than I believe the Holy Spirit told me to, Brother Mark. That's all I know. But I have a feeling there's somebody, and maybe some several bodies, maybe older people, Maybe a young person, maybe a middle-aged person, maybe a young adult. But you know, you've been hurt. You've never forgiven a person, have you? And tonight, you need to become the judge and the jury. And you need to say, the penalty is paid for their sins. going to hold the grudges. I'm not going to be bitter at them. Tonight, the bitterness starts to go. Now, you may not get over it in one session. It may take weeks. Maybe even take years, depending on how deep you were hurt. But I'm going to tell you now, you better do it. I don't need to hear what happened. All I need to hear is, I forgave you. That's all I need. And I don't even need to hear that. God help us, please. I don't know, Holy Spirit. I preach.